This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Lobe Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradley! Hello and welcome to the 2018 Christmas special of the Low Strangers podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Although there should be one more episode to come before the year draws to a close, I'm going to take this opportunity to list the people who deserve a bit of gratitude from myself for their work in the first six months of the podcast short history. First up, John Daglish, who created the podcast artwork. John is an artist, illustrator, a Swindonian who is now based in Bristol, a kind soul and all-around good guy who agreed to participate after some mild pestering from myself. I gave him a loose description of what I was after and he absolutely nailed it. Thank you, John. You can see John's artwork on Instagram. His username is John Daglish. One word. Next up is fellow town fan Matthew Kilford, who is somebody whose work I've appreciated for quite a while. I think I heard his To The Moon project in about 2013, and I never really forgot that. So when I started the podcast and was thinking of music, he was the first person I approached. And luckily for me, he agreed to create what is a great, great Low Strangers theme, plus all the commentary clips as well. Matthew agreed to do this for free during a very busy time for him. Like John, I gave him a model description of what I was looking for and boy oh boy did he ever capture what I was after. You can see more of Matthew's stuff by going to his website which is www.matthewkilford.com. 
Next, my resident journalist, Ben Wills, who was one of the first people I approached when I was thinking about doing this podcast in 2017. He's been extremely patient, especially when an early pilot recording was aborted, and he's always made himself available whenever recordings have been required. Some of the monthly editions haven't been as much fun to record as we would like, but we've got through it somehow. There's a little support network of people who I rely on who I should also say thank you to. They're people that I pester all through the day for any feedback and suggestions. So thanks to Katie, Rich B, Chris T and Dean M for their support. Of course, thanks to all the guests who have taken up hours of their own time to talk to me about Swindon Town Football Club. Some of them didn't have great experiences at Swindon, but they were still willing to come on and share their experiences. So my thanks to Aaron Oakley, Ben, Matt Haywood, Simon Ferry, Reese Evans, Chris Hammond, Rafa DeVita, Paul Bowden, Jamie Pittman, Sam Mooreshead, Paul McAreevy, Super, Sammy Parkin, Joe Butler, Chris Tanner, Fraser Digby, Fraser Digby, David Budgie Byrne and Juan Cobian. It's been massively appreciated. Thank you. And finally, massive, massive, massive appreciation to everyone who has listened and also favourably reviewed The Low Strangers. The podcast isn't perfect. Far from it. There's still a lot of work to do, but I've been blown away by your support and encouragement throughout. From the Moonrakers of Wiltshire to the expats in the USA, Australia, UAE and Europe. I've appreciated it since day one. My guest, however, for the Christmas special is Matt Hayward, who returns for his second appearance, having appeared previously way back in episode three. We talk about his experiences as a professional footballer during the Christmas schedule, which, as we all know, is a notoriously hectic part of the football year. Training, diet, parties are all covered, plus a little bit more. Anyway, it's time to sound the hooter for the Christmas special of the Low Strangers podcast. And I hope you all have a very happy Christmas and a great new year. Enjoy. It's been three months. How have you been? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been all right. Um, been down to watch quite a few of the Swindon games actually. So they've got rid of uh, got rid of another manager, got another guy in. It's all all change as per usual down at the county ground. Same as it ever was. Same as it always will be. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Things people would worry if it was any different, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly right. Well, the focus for this episode. This is the Christmas special. The good uh, listeners of the Low Strangers podcast. Have yourself to guide us through the Christmas schedule for footballers. But first, to get ourselves warmed up, are you a fan of the Christmas holidays? I love Christmas, yeah. Can't beat Christmas. Um, all about the food, the drink now. Not <laughs> when I was a professional footballer, I might add. But yeah, I've always been a big fan of Christmas. So humour me, what are your favourite Christmas songs and films? Favourite song? It's got to be Fairy Tale of New York, really. Is the... Uh, the, un- the stand 
standard classic. Yeah. As a bit of a, an earworm, I don't know the Stop the Cavalry by yeah. Jonah Lewis. Doopy doopy doop doop, that one. Yeah, that's one that you can't <laughs> stop humming. Oh, I'm, I'm partial to a bit of When a Child is Born by Johnny Mathis. What do you think about that one? Hey, that's, you know, it takes a brave man to make such admissions. That's a mum's favourite. It's certainly one of my mum's favourites. It is, yeah. Perhaps in the current PC climate, you know, they might look at changing some lyrics in there as well as the uh, <laughs> as the fairy tale of New York one as well. But yeah, quite. That's probably for another podcast. <laughs> and one that I'd love to do with you. Christmas movies, classic Home Alone, mm-hmm. Elf. Yes. Um, one that I did actually start watching today, Die Hard. Not very Christmassy really, but it's... Well, it was going to be my next question. Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie, yay or nay? I think it is, yeah. I think it is. And I don't know whether the snowman classes as a film, does it? But Yeah. I want to stick with Die Hard because I think it's a Christmas film because too many parts of it centres itself towards Christmas. The jumper, the party. It's not just like it's Christmas. It just happens to... Everything is centred around the event, so... I'm going with Christmas part Christmas. No, I I agree. I'm happy with that. <laughs> so you're a big fan of Christmas. At what point do you sit down, happy that you've forged a career in professional footballer, and reflect back and think Christmas is a bit rubbish for footballers, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I I could sit here and say, well, no, you know, you've just got to be professional. You knew when you were getting into it, and I mean, let's face facts. It would be nice if you could get, you know a few days off over Christmas from a player's point of view I suppose from a fan's point of view it's one of the best times of the year for going to watch football Mm. you know especially after you've had to put up with the mother-in-law or whatever or Christmas Day to get out on Boxing Day and have a release and go and shout at some blokes running around it's sort of uh, it's what it's all about really but yeah it's it's just one of those things isn't it I suppose even from a, a young age you you know that there's a busy a busy fixture list over Christmas, and you sort of like you've never known any different. I suppose if you've gone from come from school and then you've gone into that, it's just it's just how it's always been. So yeah, you sort of you have to rein it in a little bit, I suppose, on Christmas, but you get plenty of time the rest of the year to enjoy yourself. So I think it's fair to say that footballers tend to get little sympathy from fans regarding Christmas, but in your experience, are footballers bothered about working through that Christmas schedule? I don't, you know, I don't think so. I, I think the um, my experience, obviously, when I was playing, I, I mean, I didn't have kids. Then. I've got a little girl now who's two next week. But I think, you know, the guys that had young children, it was, they were quite uh, pleased to get out of the house for a couple <laughs> of hours. In all, in all honesty, and it depending on what club you're at or what the man, who the manager was, he's, you know, it used to be. Some would get you in really early Christmas morning, get it done, get it out of the way. Some would like you in Christmas evening. Um, but if, yeah, going back to what I said, it's, you know, you you know it's it's going to happen. You know you've got a game boxing day, and you just you know you just get on with it. Really, I, I mean, I, I never used to mind it. Used to most of the time it'd be in Christmas morning early, quick session, get a sweat on, and then. Get yourself off with some pigs in blankets. You said there that the Christmas schedule is a big deal to the fans, and I completely agree. Now that you're retired, though, do you think the Christmas schedule needs to be reviewed? 
given the status of football today? I don't think it should be changed, no. I mean, I th- trying to think back to when I was playing, I'm sure, you know, used to play on the 26th, the 28th, you know, the 31st, the 2nd. I don't think it, it, from what I was looking at the fixture, this it's not that busy this year, is it? I think there's mm-hmm. what's this, sort of three games over over a week yeah. sort of thing. I don't think so. I think the, certainly Boxing Day is traditional and everyone, you know, that's mm. it's a big day for football. And from thinking back, you always get a good atmosphere on Boxing Day. You know, you tend to get a bigger crowd and I just think, you know, that's, that's part of football. So even if, you know, the winter break or whatever that they want to bring in... Mm. Then I think that would be in January at some point, but no, I definitely would keep the Christmas fixtures as they are. I think it really does depend on what day Christmas Day falls on, because like you said, this week, this year, it's Cheltenham for Swindon, it's Cheltenham on the Saturday, then Boxing Day's midweek, and then yeah. Saturday fixtures, so it really is no different other yeah, than, it's, than yeah. family time, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing, yeah, of course, and you know, if... Uh, you know, Christmas falls nearer the weekend and then you, you cram another game in and then you get another game in before New Year and one just after New Year and then all of a sudden you sort of you've crammed four games in in sort of eight days, nine days or whatever. But um I mean I never used to mind it because it means you do you you know, you'd sooner play games than train. So if you're playing you know a game every other day mm-hmm. you just you know, you play the game and then it's you know, providing there's no injuries or whatever, it's right. So you See you at the ground in two days' time and we'll do it again. Merry Christmas to all the Swindon fans. I will see you at the game on Saturday. Boom. I want to ask a couple of questions about players' mentalities. I think it was uh, the old Nottingham Forest and Chesterfield uh, forward Jack Lester who earned himself for a little while and perhaps unfairly a bit of a reputation for getting injured or suspended around Christmas. He got a couple of red cards a couple of years in a row or something like that. Um, do you think... Or if you, would you say like if you're like on a fifth yellow coming up and you've it's the ninetieth minute and the next game's Boxing Day, are you tempted just to clip a hill? Um, well, obviously not myself because <laughs> you know I, I was on I was only unlucky enough to be sent off once and only ever I only got suspended for one game in, in my career, which happened to be Hartley pulled away for Swindon, so that wasn't a bad one to miss. So I don't know if I can really comment <laughs> comment on this. It it was one of those things. It was always you know you'd always have a a joke in the dressing room with lads, you know, trying to get, mm. you know, you'd be trying to get booked or whatever. Or, um, but I don't, I don't really think anyone actually, actually went out to do it. It was one of those things. If it did happen, then obviously the lads got ribbed a bit more. But no, I, I can't, um, I can't say that it was. And I do remember when I was at when I was at Brentford, I'd picked up a, a knock in a game, the game before Boxing Day it was. And uh, yeah, I remember getting a, getting a call on Christmas night from one of the other lads, a lad called Dave Partridge, who mm-hmm. yeah played for Swindon briefly. Yeah, so so Dave was sort of on standby if I wasn't going to be fit, and he rang me up Christmas night, and he was absolutely smashed. <laughs> <laughs> He'd been drinking all day, and he was like, "Matty, are you going to be all right tomorrow?" I was like, "I don't know. I was having a fitness test in the morning, and I said, well, I think I'll be all right, but I don't know.'" And he was like, oh, "All right." I'll have another drink then. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, he didn't turn up, Dave, the next day, and I don't think he came back. He was on a on a short-term contract. As it happened, I did play the game, but... That's former Welsh international David Partridge there, perhaps explaining why he never made an appearance in his brief stay at Swindon as well. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good lad, Dave. He's, he's quite a colourful character, you wouldn't mind me saying. Um, 
little bit of history to him. Mm. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that uh, he was he was taking a big a big gamble. But as I don't think he turned up anyway for the game. So and that was that. What about? players looking to move away because nowadays January transfer window is just around the corner does that play on the minds of players that are looking to leave are they reluctant to play are they playing you know are they trying harder or, or do they try and protect themselves um, I wouldn't really know I mean I've never been in that position myself so it'd be hard to hmm. sort of say what other players are thinking but I, I don't think so I, you know you could just or cliche, you're just thinking about the game, and if if you're not playing, then you're probably always trying to push for that move. So I think it would be for players that are in the team would certainly be looking for for January to come round, and then and try and negotiate a move somewhere else. But you know, if you if you're in the team, you've got so many games to think about that. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that that would be a a thing. Obviously, for myself, I would never have anyone wanting to come in and buy me in January anyway, so it didn't matter. Let's talk about probably the most talked about person in any of the podcasts and that's Andy King what was his Christmas schedule like for the players we yeah so before King he used to probably he'd ask the players in terms of like Christmas morning we we did used to majority of the time we would train Christmas day mm-hmm. um, and he'd ask yeah mainly the older players like Sir Reeves and whatever with, with kids you know what do you want to do do you want to get in early so you say early Bearing in mind, we used to train normally at sort of like 10 o'clock. Early had been like half eight. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we used to just go in, do like literally be an hour, you know, warm up, bit of a five aside just to get a bit of a sweat on and get the heart rate up a bit. And then it'd be, you know, enjoy your day and we'll see you, see you at the ground for the game tomorrow. Occasionally, I think he did give us Christmas Day off a couple of times and then he'd have us in early on Boxing Day. Mm. When we'd have like a little sort of a warm up in the morning at the ground, you know, just like a little half an hour mess about, really, just to just to get your legs going, and then all sit down and have some pre match together, and then and then play the game. But yeah, as a, as a rule, it was early Christmas morning hour, quick five aside, and then uh, get off. Was there generally a sort of different vibe on or during the Christmas schedule? Was it business as usual? Yeah, it pretty it is business as usual when you're there. You, you know, you sort of training, um, and you just sort of you just sort of forget about it. Really, you, you only notice from the the new socks and the new shower gel that the lads are bringing in that it is Christmas, really. Um, <laughs> and like I said before, you just sort of got go from game to a game really without without so much training. So it's you know. Is just uh, just mind on the football, and then once you get through the new year, it sort of quiets down a little bit. record at Christmas at the moment and I've got to say it's remarkably good including especially the Swindon side of things so you did four Christmases at Swindon 2001, 2, 3 and 4 in the games that I count as Christmas games 
we only lose three times. We win one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and draw three. Um, wow. <laughs> well, exactly. And we're mid-table in all of them, so obviously Andy King's uh, Christmas plans were were justified. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you, you sort of trust in the lads to... Mm. I mean, I I used to go and absolutely stuff my face Christmas Day. I can't say that I ever, you know, like said, oh, no, I'm not going to eat that or eat that. I never used to sort of drink anyway. Mum and Dad were never big Christmas Day drinkers, so that was never a thing. I didn't ever feel like I was missing out on having a drink. So, yeah, I used to get stuck into the quality streets and the turkey dinner and the cheese and biscuits and everything, all of it. And then, uh, yeah, you just see so you get get there the next day and your mind's on the football and then once you get get a win you go back and get stuck back into the Stilton and the uh, leftover turkey well we only we only lost one Boxing Day fixture during uh, your time there which was at Rushton um, a 2-0 but then we went and bounced back against Brighton and Bournemouth with wins so that's that's happy days your final Christmas is the one that irks me because I can see why because I would have been out of the region when, when I went to see the Colchester at home game and I can see See why I was enticed in because on Boxing Day we beat Peterborough two nil, then we beat Brentford on the twenty eighth three nil. So I think, hello, I'm going to go to this yeah. Colchester game and have a great old time three nil loss, one of the most <laughs> one of the poorest performances I've seen in a long time. That was a good I, Colchester team though. I can't remember that. <laughs> I can, I can. <laughs> Well, I, I apologise. It might be 15 years late, but um, yeah, I apologise for my part in that. Apology accepted, especially as we beat Bradford two days later um, as well. So, football, eh? Crazy. Well, there you go. There you were uh, in the first team set up early on with Burnley and you sort of drop out of the first team as a teenager just before the Christmas schedule. Do you have to travel when you're not available, be it injured or part of the squad? Do you still have to be a part of that Christmas routine? Yeah, not always. I mean, that um, that first Christmas I was in the first team at Burnley, I think I said on the last podcast, it was actually Christmas morning that I got pulled by the manager and told me that he was going to be offering me a new contract. And but by the way, you dropped for tomorrow's game. Mm. So it was, you know, it was a, an up and a down in, in one uh, in one conversation. But yeah, I did travel to that game. I think I think that was away at York, maybe. But I remember, yeah, travelling and, and watching the game. But other than that, if you're not involved, sort of in the first team as a young pro, then no, they wouldn't they wouldn't really expect you to travel, mainly because there's not room on the bus and you know hotels and stuff like that. They wouldn't they wouldn't pay for extra rooms basically from a financial point of view but yeah home games obviously you would you would have to attend but if they're travelling away then no Merry Christmas from Morrison in town hopefully see you on Saturday wearing your Christmas jumpers so many Christmas pie I'm going to start at the basics do you remember your first Christmas party as a, as a pro were you in the Bur- involved in the Burnley ones yeah well there's a couple of Burnley ones that I remember I think the first one was just I think it was just like a a Sunday in a bar in Accrington of all places just down the road from Burnley so not very fancy I remember I think I must have been a first year pro ever but that was all I can remember from that is drinking sort of these mint ice cream cocktails as you do you know no, no pints of lager and none of that jazz it was all sort of uh, yeah ice cream cocktails which was pretty funny and then the year after Paul Cook who's the manager at Wigan mm-hmm. he used to run a pub in Liverpool somewhere in Liverpool called the Fantail. It was an absolute dump. 
And I remember we went we went over there for just the, our Christmas do, and it was think about all the old school players that were Burnley at the time. That like Cookie was there, Ronnie Jepson. You know, it was proper old school. Mm. And, you know, they drink seven pints a night during the week. Every, you know, it's all smoking fags. And we were in this sort of back room of this horrible pub, and uh, he'd hired he'd a stripper to come in. She's the worst stripper you've ever seen. And she was up on the stage with one of the young lads doing stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just remember sitting there thinking, oh, please don't, please don't pull me up there. But luckily I got away with it. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the Burnley ones, they're the ones that I can remember. Let's get to Swindon now. So, ultimately... Who is responsible for organising the Christmas party? Normally, it would be the captain and like the senior players, unless there's one of the, you know one of the lads has got a contact or you know some knows someone at some you know a, a nightclub or a bar or you know where you can you can sort of get in and because basically if you've got twenty twenty five lads, mm-hmm. you know chances are you're not going to get in many places, so you've sort of got to try and to get to something pre-arranged so yeah but normally it'd be left up to the captain or or maybe a couple of the cool kids and how are they paid for i mean is it just like do you get fines over i've read things that if you do something over the season you put money towards the funds or is it just your usual uh, straight from the wages or well yeah so basically when i was at um when i was at grimsby i was the captain there so i was i was responsible for collecting fines so you'd have like a fine system where all the usual stuff, you know, if you're late for training, it was whatever it was, I don't know, say it was 20 quid, late for a match day, it was like being like a big fine, and no flip-flops in the shower, you know, all all silly things like that, and mm. every Friday, you know, you, you uh, jot the fines down in the book over the week, and then every Friday was like collection day, so um, I'd have to go around, knock a few heads together, collect the money, and then, yeah... It all uh, it all went towards the Christmas due, and then so that involved you know maybe a, you'd pay for the hotel or the wherever it was, and and uh, take the rest out as a kitty and, and try and work your way through it. And you had four at Swindon. Can you remember the destinations for for those four? I can remember three. Mm-hmm. I'm not sh- sure where the. We definitely had one in Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. We had one in Nottingham and one in Birmingham but for the life of me I can't think of the fourth if we did have one we might not have had one for some reason but I, w- I doubt that very much I just can't remember it and um, would this have been like this early December time or November time yeah normally in December basically it all depends on the fixtures so you're looking at you know you want it as near to Christmas as, as you can really mm-hmm. but yeah it'd be a case of look at the fixture list check where you haven't got a midweek game or you know sometimes you might be lucky and we used to get the odd game the Nottingham one, we played. I think we played Notts County on a Friday night, mm. so that was perfect to stay up after that game and then have the weekend in Nottingham. I think, yeah, same thing with the Bournemouth. We were playing down at Bournemouth and and, uh, and stayed down there for the weekend. As I remember that that game, I, w- I went up for a header and uh, as I came down, the, the lad I went up with came down and landed with his studs on my toe, mm. and uh, I remember he pushed pushed the nail right in and me. me Tom, all my foot like, swelled up. I had to have it cut out of my boot at the end, and all I was thinking was, I'm not going to be able to get in my shoes for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I, had to, I think I had to go and buy some some trainers or whatever, like two sizes bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think after a couple of beers, it was uh, it was all right. I don't imagine this would have been the case under Andy King, but have you ever had 
any parties cancelled or the threat of cancellation due to form or misbehaviour or anything like that? Yes, I certainly, I think definitely when I was at Bristol, Gary Johnson cancelled the Christmas due. I don't think it was ever, there was was never anything sort of set in stone so it wasn't booked, but he basically said he didn't want, he didn't want us having a Christmas due. But yeah, other times, not just Christmas dues, any any night out that's planned or a day at the races or whatever, Mm. it happens all the time with managers that, you know, before the game or whatever, if you lot if you lot don't turn up today or whatever, if you don't, you know you're not better than last week, you won't be going on your bloody do or this and that. Yeah, I think it's quite commonplace to use that sort of uh, that sort of tactic. You're not that bothered because nothing's been organised, so it's never got to the level where people put their money in. Hotels have been booked. It's... No, it's never gone that far. No, I mean there's been the odd time when when maybe the old players maybe arranged to stay up somewhere after a game and then. The manager said, "Right, you're, well, you're all in tomorrow, sort of thing." And lads have had to, had to sort of uh, make their own way back. But no, never in terms of like an actual Christmas do. I think most managers are pretty, they're pretty good with it because it does. I mean, all joking aside, it is a you know, it's a laugh, and it you know, stuff does go on. But it's it is actually you know a good way to get everyone together and get a bit of bonding going. So sure. it's it does help for the team spirit and everything. So what what sort of themes in on the parties have you have you encountered? Because you always I remember when I was a kid seeing like the Liverpool team in fancy dress and things like that. Did you have themes or was it just um, suit yeah? And well, suit and you've obviously never seen me me go out. <laughs> yeah, a couple of fancy dress, pretty standard. Um, I think we did we definitely did, did one at Swindon. I think when we went to Birmingham, we did fancy dress. I think there was all sort of generic superheroes. I went as the uh, the mask, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. With a green face paint, a yellow suit, and a big sort of kipper tie. I remember Steve Robinson went as William Wallace, which was pretty good because he spent a lot of time on it and he really went to town on it. The face paint, he had, you know, the kilt and the sword and everything. And I, I think he did have, he went like a true Scotsman as well. <laughs> and if I remember, I, I'm pretty sure that we tried to go to a well-known strip club in Birmingham and they wouldn't let him in for some reason. But I think we got him in in the end. But yeah. That's one of my vague memories from that night. Oh, I love a happy ending. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he was probably up on the pole by the end of the night. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope to see you in your Christmas jumpers this Saturday. What are your memories of Christmas parties, just generally? What, what, what have we got? Well, I think the good thing about Christmas parties is that you do, you tend to get everyone out, whereas, you know, you always have a, you got your group of lads that, do have a night out in the season or whatever, but a lot of guys, you know, would never go on those nights. But the Christmas, the Christmas dudes are different. Everyone tends to turn up, so you get some of the the quiet lads who you don't really know a lot about, or you know, you don't know what they're like with a, a couple of pints inside, and all of a sudden, you know, just start uh, acting crazy around the dance floor or whatever. Just you know, you just don't see that side of them outside of. Uh, you know, at the training, etc. Do you remember? Do you remember a player that that went out on the Christmas party and you were like, "Oh, hello, who's this?" You know. Oh, I mean, it's one of those. There, there were loads of them, but mm. off the top of my head, I can't, I can't pick a name out. But it just, I was trying to think earlier about all the Christmas dudes I've been on, and it's just all, you know, into a blur. It's one of those things where you, you either end up getting the train somewhere early in the morning, and you sort of, you start on the drink early and. You know, when you, you're drunk and it's still light, you know, it's sort yeah. of three o'clock and you, every, you've got like 25 lads all dressed up as whatever and you're just sort of looking around thinking this is just 
just surreal, really. But yeah, it's all of it, all a bit of a blur. What would Andy Gurney been like on those days? Yeah, Gurns was a strange one. I mean, he was always up to mischief anyway, um, and he had those eyes that you know that you wouldn't. He always looked like he wanted to start a fight. I can't think Christmas-wise, but I do remember him rugby tackling Joe Cole at Cheltenham Races once. And how did he take that? He was all right. I, mean, it was, I remember we went there, and I think it was a Tuesday, maybe a Wednesday. It was when Razor was at Swindon, because mm. I remember he'd, had a, he'd probably had like a bespoke sort of Savile Row tweed suit made up. And uh, he was talking to Joe Cole. He obviously knew him. And... Uh, Gerns had smashed about 15 vodka and cokes in <laughs> and uh, yeah I think he sort of rugby tackled him through the awning mm. um, it all sort of got diffused it was quite light hearted but it could have gone it could have gone another way but uh, yeah that was that was Gerns really you never knew what he was going to do you, you sort of yeah you had to always keep one eye on him and who else thrived on a night out obviously Reeves he loved a night out Reeves he was he loved to be a storyteller or you know be cracking the jokes later on obviously Rory was a clown as mentioned before yeah it was every everyone sort of tend to get involved in the Christmas you know there's always, always be drinking games or there'd be something going on and let's like say the, the quieter lads had come out of their shell and then and then it, it, always in the end of the night everyone had sort of you know, everyone would be so drunk by that time you'd just sort of all uh, splinter off into your little groups and whatever but yeah that's it it's all the usual, usual lots. Sammy would be around, and obviously Reevesy and, and maybe myself would be up to no good. And are there, are there any other sort of memories that stick out for, for nightlife side, Christmas or beyond? I remember as a young lad. Well, I, don't, I don't know if I should tell this story, but I was um, what was our second year apprentice, and it was just after Christmas. Um, and as an apprentice, you did used to get a little bit of time off over uh, over Christmas. Um, I remember coming back and going out to a nightclub in uh, in Burnley, and uh, I'd just been given for Christmas. I got myself. I'd been given a nice Yves Saint Laurent red shirt. Very nice it was, and uh, had that shirt on for that night. Went out and I met. A, I'd like to say a young lady, but she wasn't. Bearing in mind that I was eighteen, and uh, yeah, that was my first proper encounter with a young with a young lady. And I remember going back to her house and uh, staying the night woke up in the morning and, and couldn't get out of her house <laughs> couldn't find the key so I had to climb out of the window <laughs> remember sl- slipping on the driveway because it was um, it had been snowing and a guy over the road was like laughing at me but I had to hot foot it to Turf Moor because we had to help shovel the snow off the ground <laughs> to get the first team game on <laughs> uh, so, they say romance is dead I know so yeah that was it I literally had to quickly duck into my digs, chuck my tracksuit on and then, you know, shoveling snow off the pitch to get the first team game on. But um I I was buzzing anyway, you know. <laughs> <I'd>, uh... <laughs> I've only got one question left for you and it's based on a anecdote that Sam Parkin said when he was a guest on the podcast. It's probably best that we remind ourselves of that. Previously on the Low Strangers podcast. Ah, uh, this was brilliant, but I was going to say you're going to make me sound like a wheeler and dealer. It's more my mates, but the main protagonist in this is a wheeler and dealer. But it was my one of my closest mates at home, Tom, and my brother, uh, who was a young lad at the time, would have been just that he would have been at college or just at secondary school. Um, they had a plot 
in Barnes, which is where mm-hmm. I grew up in southwest London. They had a plot uh, in the Red Lion pub for anyone who knows it, which is the biggest pub, just straight road from Hammersmith. If you see the Red Lion, they had the Christmas tree plot one year, flogging Christmas trees in Barnes. So <laughs> obviously, I saw a little window and thought I could uh, flog them to the Swindon Town lads. So after my first year of doing relatively well, I had a, a nice BMW and um, I'd recline the front seat and I'd stick a Christmas tree <laughs> vertically alongside me down the um, down the passenger side and I'd drive down with a couple of stands in a couple of different colours just uh, depending on what the wives or girlfriends wanted to go for and I'd uh, bring down a little uh, Norwegian whatever they're called down on a, a Monday morning I remember selling a few I, did, I'm not, I didn't make you know this isn't this isn't a dragon's den or anything, but you know, I made a few quid to be fair. But um, can you imagine? Yeah, at that time, what did you just say? Twenty fifth best player in the football, <laughs> driving down the M4 with a um, with a Christmas tree and as a passenger. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember getting, I don't remember being flushed with cash as I, you know, drove past Membry on the way back. But yeah, I probably got a drink out of it. So my question is: Were you a customer? of Sam Parkin's Christmas Tree Enterprise. Well, I've got to be honest, I completely forgot about that until you mentioned it earlier, and I've got to say, no, I wasn't. (sighs) But, yeah, I do remember, I thought, yeah, yeah, I do remember him selling Christmas trees, but I never bought one. Yeah, I think back then, I think I had an artificial tree. Go for a real one now, but I don't know if he's still selling them. He could maybe do me a deal. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get you in touch, but I will now spend the majority of my podcasts talking to Parking Era teammates to see if they bought one yeah, of Sam Parking's Christmas trees. I don't even know how that worked. I mean, he lived in London. <laughs> he used to drive from London with it in his car. He yeah. didn't. He didn't have a particularly big car. I don't know how. <laughs> you know, what was he going to get? Like seven foot. Norwegian fur in the back and all netted up and stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know. But thinking about it, I do remember him bringing trees in. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, they always find a way. Well, that's it. <laughs> Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. No problem. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks a lot. Take Speak care. You soon. Bye. Ta da. Below Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hello, Swindon. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and a Happy New Year. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 